late December, the week between Christmas and New Year's, to seek the Lord about direction and what he's wanting to do. And of course, this last year, we talked to you about how that we're to take off the limits and that Ephesians 3.20 was our verse for the year, that God is able to do, uh, that he's able to do above anything we could ask or think according to his power that's at work within us. Amen. And uh, so that was our verse for the year. And uh, as I was seeking the Lord uh, about all of this in the last several, actually the last several months, God began speaking to me about what he, what's going to be happening in the year 2020. And uh, so I'm just, I think he's given us a heads up to get us ready. And I want to tell you, it's a good, it's good. It's, you know, you're like, some of you are looking at me like, oh boy, it must be bad if he's telling us ahead of time. No, because I want you to get in faith for what God's going to do. I think we're going to hit January running. I really do. I think we're going to hit January running. We need to get ourselves ready for it. I think there are things that are going to turn supernaturally really quick, and we need to be prepared. You know, I love a quote that John Wooden said, if, look, if you wait until your opportunity comes to get prepared, it's too late. So let's get ready now. Amen? Let's get ready for our healing now. Let's get ready for our healing now. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's make room for it. Let's get ourselves ready for our financial breakthrough now. Let's get ourselves ready now for our family, how we're going to figure. Look, I'll just tell you, in our family, we're believing for a miracle. Supernatural in our family with, with, with some of our family situations. But let me tell you this, it is going to be a mess when it happens. It's going to be a mess. We'll take the mess, but you got to be ready for it. You know, when you prepare, when you prepare yourself, when you prepare your attitude, you prepare your heart, you prepare a room, in that room, God will always fill it. God will, so get yourself ready. You just got to, you got to prep yourself. So anyways, I, I really feel that there's some things that God, uh, that God has really spoken for this coming year that uh, are going to happen. And so I want to give you a quote here. And uh, this is just the kind of the foundation. Next week, I'll dig into this um, even a little bit deeper. 2020 will be a new door that you have never been through before. And it will bring supernatural increase like you have never experienced before. Let me read it again to you. 2020 will be a new door that you have never been through before. There are doors of opportunity they are going to open up for God's people that you haven't been through before that you haven't been through before. Um, thanks for those two amens. I know you're writing. And it'll be, like I said, we'll, we'll have all this in print eventually. 2020 will be a new door that you have never been through before. And it will bring supernatural increase like you have never experienced before. Like you've never experienced before. Okay? So I believe this, and I, I think you're going to start seeing that some of the other, I'm not a prophet, but I am a prophet in our house here, uh, and um, I think that there are prophets that you're going to start hearing some things about this. A lot of the, the people that are on the cutting edge with prophetic words, they know that September is actually in the Jewish calendar when the year shifts, and uh, we're more on a Gregorian calendar, which is the January, February, March through December, uh, but the actual historical candle, calendar for God moving would be the Jewish calendar, which we're in that new year right now. 
And uh, so bring it on. Amen. I mean, we don't have to wait till January 1 to experience what God is saying. We can start experiencing it right now in our lives. Can I get a good amen? So I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of, uh, of uh, Genesis 26. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses today, uh, just as we're laying this foundation and, and uh, helping you. Um, and I want, as we're looking at chapter 26, and some of you that watch our Monday night Bible study, you heard me dig into this a little bit on Monday evening, or you, at least you catch it later on. Um, at, we're on Monday nights on Facebook Live at uh, 7 o'clock. And when we started talking about this in chapter 26, we were talking about supernatural increase. And in verse 1, it says that there was a famine. Everybody say famine. famine. Well, famines are tough, right? I mean, that's a difficult time. We know like in our area here when they talk about drought, we know that people's lives are affected by drought. We know that that affects the farms, which affects the hay price, which affects our bank books. And if we have cattle, then we have to deal with all of that. And, and it's hard to find straw, and it's hard to find hay, and all the different things that we deal with. One thing affects another thing that affects another thing. Well, in the land that Isaac was dwelling in, there was a famine that was in that land. And I want you to notice here, because I think this is really key, and if, if, look, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I hope you get this, that when that famine was in the land, it's, it immediately refers to something that happened before, okay? Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And this is important for you and I. When we face an event in our lives, typically, we, if it's something that we've been through before, we relate to the previous event. Amen. All right? For example, if I told you you're going to the dentist on Monday and you're going to have to get a filling, I can see it in some of your faces already. Right? No, no, no. Yeah. Or he's going to have to pull a tooth. Or you're going to have to, yeah, I mean, whatever. Now, look, here's the thing. What you're doing, if you've never been to the dentist, then what do you care? Right? You have no experience to relate it to. So you'd be like, well, what's a dentist? Well, they're going to help your teeth. Well, that sounds like a good deal. You know, I'll be able to keep my teeth, and, and you know, and I like to eat steak, and so I'll have something to eat steak with. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm looking joyfully at going to the dentist. But the majority of people that I know do not look joyfully. <laughs> I don't even look joyfully at getting my teeth cleaned. One, I'm disgusted by how much junk that I thought wasn't there is there. Am I talking to anybody right now? Oh, yeah, man. I'm like, what the in the world is that flying out of my mouth? I brush every day and floss and, you know, and do all the stuff you're supposed to and still got all the critters trying to grow on my teeth. Amen. Right? Yeah. So we equate a circumstance. If we've had an experience before, we equate what we're going through with what happened before. Now, if it was a miraculous experience, then guess what? We're ex we have full expectation something incredible is about to happen. But if we have a bad experience, when Abraham went through, and you find this in chapter 12, when Abraham went through this time when the famine hit, 
They all booked it to Egypt because they could not make it. Abraham just packed up his family and all his wealth, and they took off down to Egypt to be able to live there. And that's one of the stories that's in the scripture about where he lied about his wife being his sister. She was his half-sister, but, you know, that he told, he kind of, he told a half-truth. See, when I talk about you having miracles in your life, you're immediately equating it either to things that you think are failures in your life, where miracles didn't happen, or you're equating it to miracles that did happen. For the vast majority of the body of Christ, they have not had a miraculous life. They've not, at least cognizantly that they're aware of, had a miraculous life. And so we tend to think, oh no. Yeah, I talked to you, remember two weeks ago, I talked to you about the rain, right? and how that I struggled, and I laid in bed and kept watching the weather and saw a tornado in Alma, and I'm laying there and I can't sleep because anxiety is overwhelming me because I am equating a bad experience to a previous bad experience, and therefore I am creating faith. I'm creating faith. I'm having the reaction even though nothing bad has happened yet. Are you with me? So here's the famine. Isaac's facing it. Now, while he faces that famine, you'll see this, everybody takes off to Egypt. I mean, they all do. They leave the land of Gerar where they're at, and they all go to Egypt because that's what Abraham did. It got bad, we took off. But God, he intervenes in this story, and he says, don't do it. Don't go down to Egypt. Well, my dad went down to Egypt, and he was all right down there, and I'm just doing what I know to do. And God said, don't do what you know to do. Do what I tell you to do. Do what I tell you to do. Do you understand how that we equate bad things in our past? They're called, in psychology, they call them triggers. That, you know, I've actually, I actually was working with someone. It was incredible. They actually, because they had had bad relationships in their past, they ended good relationships out of fear that they would turn into a bad one. And they, and they said to me, well, I probably should just go ahead and end this now because it's probably just going to do just what all my other relationships have done. I've been through two divorces and... Uh, I was living with a person, and we broke up, and so I just, and so I said to him, I said, you do see how you're setting your, you've already convinced yourself this is going to fail. Right. And you know what? When you're in a relationship, you can even see the signs that it might have some problems. But problems in a relationship doesn't mean it has to be a repeat of the past. Right. Right. Amen, pastor, that's really good. But he was setting himself up. We do the same thing financially. We do the same thing with our health. And we make crazy little statements about ourselves, you know, like, well, I just, I'm never good with money. I, you know, I, I, I can do well for a while, but I just have an eating disorder or whatever. You know, all the things that we'll convince ourselves of to say that it's okay to go back and do the bad behavior. So I'm not doing a psychology lesson here, but I just want you to know that these guys, this is not an easy situation. Famine is not, for them, this is their future. 
Right. It's life and death. Thank you, Adam. It's life and death. I mean, you know, they know. You know, they didn't have down the street uh, an IGA or a Kroger's or a Myers they could run to and buy groceries. If there's famine, their garden's dead, their crops die, their family dies. So the most plausible thing to do is go with everybody else, go with the flow and head off to Egypt. And it says that in verse 1, And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Then verse 3, he goes on and he says, Dwell in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Now, this is important, this word blessing, and I want to give you a definition of what the word blessing means. Now, blessing in the, in the Hebrew language means to say well over, okay? To speak well over, as a curse would be to speak evil over, but to speak good over. But a blessing also carries within it the connotation that it means that you are empowered to prosper, increase, or succeed. So when God speaks a blessing over us or says you're blessed, what he says over us is that you, now have, you are now empowered to accomplish what I am blessing you for. You're now empowered for what I have been saying over you. And here's a great verse. We just talked about Malachi, you know, chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 there. But in Malachi, where he says, you know, you give your tithes, bring your tithes and offerings into the house, and I will pour out a blessing, right? I will empower you to prosper. I'll pour out a blessing, and then he goes on to say, and this is what it'll look like. I'll pour out a blessing that there's not room enough for you to receive. So I'll empower you to a level that you won't even be able to sustain the, the, the increase that will happen to your life. You're missing a good place to say amen. I mean, the Amplified Version says that you'll surely shout, God, knock it off. That's too much. I've got too much. Now, God, when he speaks a blessing, speaks a too much blessing. He doesn't want to just, he's not just doling out a little bit here, a little there, a little there, you know. Um, he, God is putting, when he speaks his blessing, he empowers you and I to accomplish what that blessing is, and that is to prosper, to increase, and to succeed. Proverbs says it like this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. I'm not just talking about money. Look, I'm talking about in every avenue, because you can have money and have a pitiful family and be absolutely miserable. And you can have, you can, <laughs> are you here? You can have riches galore and have horrible health and be spending all your money on your health. Are you all here? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. You say, yeah, but I just read a report, Pastor. See, there's your problem. You're giving more credence to the report than you are to what God said in his blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and then it goes on and says, and he doesn't even add any sorrow to it. There's no sorrow to it. Because here's what we do. We're God, we say, oh man, God blesses, and then we equate God's blessing to what we see life like, and we equate God's blessing to what we've been through before. Well, you know, I've been through 2008, the great, what do they call it? The Great Recession. I don't know who labeled it that. But, you know, the Great Recession, we were prospering in 2008. 
And guess what? Then 2009 came, and we were prospering then. And then 2010 came, and we were still prospering. And we just kept going through, and now here we are 11 years later, and we're still prospering. And in 2007, we were pro Were there difficult moments? Yes. But that's what faith comes, that's where faith comes in. And we say, look, I don't care what the administration is saying. I don't care what people are saying or the media says. I care what God is saying. And the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And my God supplies all our need according to his riches and glory. We're going to do what he says to do. So we didn't stop giving. We didn't go, oh, well, we better cut everybody out. We maybe had to shift a few things around, but we made sure that we were sending out, we were helping, we were assisting, we were blessing. Blessing means to be empowered. You know, we go around, we say, God bless you, and like it's like just saying some good thing over someone. God bless you when you say that. Be empowered by God. Be empowered by God. Increase under the anointing. Succeed in what you're striving to accomplish. 2020 will be a new door that you've never been through before, and it'll bring supernatural increase like you've never experienced before. Hallelujah. Listen to this passage out of Zechariah. I love this. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit and return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. That's God talking. I will restore double. See, God is speaking his blessing through this. But how does it come? It becomes by receiving by faith. Let me give you another verse, Exodus 34.10. You'll love this. This is out of the Amplified Version. And the Lord said, Behold, I lay down afresh the terms of a mutual agreement between Israel and me, a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, wonders, and miracles, such as not been wrought or created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing, fearful and full of all, that I will do with you. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I've heard all that before. Well, get out of line. Because I'm staying in line. Right? Well, I've, I've heard all that before. Somebody told us that 10 years ago and didn't happen like they said it was going to happen. Look, you put your expectation in the Word, not what someone else is telling you. If I'm not telling you Scripture, then you don't want to listen to anything I have to say. Amen. A problem you have in the church today is the vast majority of people don't even bring their Bibles to church anymore. They're not even searching the Scriptures to see if what's being said is true. The Bereans were much wiser than all the rest of the church because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what the apostles were telling, even Peter and, and all the apostles, to see if what they were saying was true. If it was true. In the great tragedy of our day, typically, if people do take notes, it goes from my notes to your notes to a file or away somewhere, and it never gets looked at again. And that is the word that God gives us to transform and change our lives. Amen. Well, you just want us to take notes. Uh-huh. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I believe this changed my life, friend. Look, I, I'm not up here just telling you something like, well, he's just saying that because he's a preacher. I'm saying this as a Christian believer that found that the word, I've tasted and seen that the word is, that God is good and that its word is true. You say, well, you've gone through a lot of hardship. Yeah, we have, but I would have perished unless I had believed to see my God in the land of the living. I knew that eventually, somehow, as I trust in him, God will show up. Something will shift. Something will change. You and I, we live in a finite term. God lives in an infinite term. Every time a miracle or wonder or an awe happens, it is the, infin the infiniteness of God stretching into the finiteness of your life. What is your life compared to eternity? To the infiniteness, infiniteness of God. What is our life? It's but a vapor, the scripture says. Here today, as far as, you know, as things go, here today and gone tomorrow. Do you see the awesomeness of God? That he would take time for little old you, who are just a little breath. Sorry if I spit on you. <laughs> a little breath, a little vapor. And he reaches his awesome hand into your life because faith is being released in your life. In that little period of time that you're here with eternity and does miraculous things. And he promises, I will do signs and wonders and miraculous things. I'll cause supernatural increase to take place in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He said, dwell in this land. I'm going to be with you. I'll bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I'll give to your descendants all these lands in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That is such a powerful statement right there. And because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments and my statutes and my laws... So Isaac, he stayed in Gerar on the word of the Lord. Now look at verse, look at verse, um, go down with me to verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. Now, several years ago, I saw this happen actually with Mark Chaffin. And we stood on these verses. There was, there was drought. I mean, the area was under drought. And uh, crops were failing. People were losing their crops. They were dry. I remember it, they were drying up. I remember driving by the corn out on the road, and it's all shriveling up, and, and it's not getting to its full potential. And it's dying like in early September because it had just been so dry from July on. And Mark and I, we got into covenant agreement together and began to speak over that land and began to speak over those crops and we began to call a harvest in. Look, it's easy. Every, look, everybody can say what's wrong with the world. 
what's wrong with the crops, what's wrong with the weather. Everybody can talk about what's wrong with your family. Everybody can talk about what's wrong with your marriage and what's wrong you know, with your finances and what's wrong with the economy and blah, 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 and what's wrong with your health. Everybody can do that, but it takes a person of gumption, a person of courage to stand up with faith and say, no, this is what the Word of God says. This is what I'm standing on. Look, all, look on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The world and its system is going down the tubes. But the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the righteous, the believer, the one that stands firm will shine like a light. They'll get brighter and brighter. It'll get dark and grossly dark. But the light of the believer will become brighter and brighter. Why? Because they're not under the world system. They're in the world. They're not of the world. The principles and precepts that they operate under come from heaven above where God is saying, that's what I said. Now I'm just looking for somebody that'll take what I have said and say it themselves and decree a thing in the earth and it'll be established to them. As it says in the book of Job, come on, decree a thing and it'll happen for you. Well, pastor, now look, I've done that before and it didn't happen. See, what you just did is you're equating your famine that you're in now to an old famine that either you went through or somebody else went through. And it's a new day, friend. Are you getting sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you, frust- are you done with frustration and depression and anger and disappointment and just ready to say, look, I'm done with all of that. I'm going to the word of the Lord where God speaks. And God has said that 2020 is going to be a year of supernatural increase. Hallelujah. So let's just run through some verses. Are you all doing okay? Genesis 1, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. What did he do? He empowered them to prosper. He empowered them to succeed. And, and God blessed them and said to them, be mood, be moodful, be fruitful, excuse me, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Listen, you deer hunters, I know season's coming up. You decree today that you have authority on this earth. You will get a deer this year. You will find the most awesome 12-point buck that's out there. Who The guys are saying, oh no, you, that can't happen. You'll probably just shoot a little doe that's like a, like a big dog, looks like somebody's dog. No, man. Decree a thing. Decree a thing. I remember Gary Esther texted me one time. He was out, in his high, he was out on his shooting, hunting deer. It's right after he had, just right around the time he'd become a Christian, and, and he's hunting deer, and he said, you know, Pastor, I, I started praying, and I said, God, bring, bring a deer my way, and so he texted me, he said, one crossed right in front, right in front of where I was at, and, I, and he didn't go, I wonder if this is God. No, he pulled the trigger, man. Look, get your faith out now. You're here to have dominion, not to be subject to the earth, but to bring the earth subject to you. That's good, Pastor. Glory to God. Over every living thing that moves on the earth, our dear moving things. Amen, man. Well, let's get a good one and then bring 10% and give it to me, okay? 
Because you should bring the priest the tithe. Hallelujah. Or give it to Chuck or give it to Kathy or give it to Jeff or give it to Stevie or whatever. But be a blessing to someone. Amen. Hallelujah. God blessed him. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Blessing is the power to prosper. Genesis 12, 2. Let's look at, let's look at that one. I will make you a great nation, God spoke to Abraham, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Always remember, God blesses you to be a blessing, not just so that you can be blessed. Genesis chapter 17 and verses 6 through 7. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. There's something for you to stand on for your family. I will, make, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in, your, in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Hallelujah. It is a perpetual blessing that God speaks to Abraham here. And it shows up. You will be fruitful. One translation says fruitful means to be plenteous in everything. Psalm 1 tells us that whatever we set our hand to will prosper. That as we delight ourselves in what God has said, everything we put our hands to, that we are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Our leaf does not wither. We don't fade out. Look, friend, we're not fading out of life. We're going to leave this life, but we're not fading out of it. We're going to grow brighter and stronger. We're going to grow more wealthier. We're going to be richer. We're going to have see. We're going to see our children and our grandchildren gathered around us, and our great grandchildren as believers worshiping. And in Christmas, instead of being hell on earth, there'll be heaven on earth. Hallelujah! Where we're glorifying and giving God praise and singing the songs of old of how good our God is and the birth of the Savior. Hallelujah! Amen. Say, well, I don't know. You don't know what happened. See, there you are talking about your old famines. Hallelujah. You'll be fruitful and plenteous in everything, and that will go through your generation. That'll go through the generations in your family. Now you say, well, that was for Abraham, Pastor. I mean, come on, that was for him. Listen to this out of Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And if you're Christ, anybody here belong to Jesus? I didn't say perfect, but you're a Christian. You believe you're a Christian. You believe Christ is in your life. You've asked Jesus as Lord of your life. And if you're Christ, if you belong to Christ, then it says in verse 29, then you, you, you are Abraham's seed. We should have got a lot better amen out of that. Because didn't you just see that God said, I'm going to bless Abraham and the generations after and hit your seed, the generations after? Well, if we're Christ, then we are in that same blessing that he put on Abraham. We're part of that seed generational blessing that was on Abraham's life. And you are heirs according to the promise of Almighty God. Now, I want you to, um, as we look at this uh, in... Uh, 
the blessing that happened for him. If you look at chapter 13, we don't, won't turn there right now, but if you look at chapter 13 and verse 2, it tells you right there that Abraham was so blessed, he had all kinds of wealth, he had all kinds of animals, he had all kinds of things that are that we're growing. You know, look, the believer, they got to do, the, the believer has to realize, one, that we are in a different covenant in the earth than mankind is in the earth. We're in a, under the covenant of God Almighty through Jesus Christ our Lord, which brings us into the blessings of Abraham. So my dog is blessed. Amen. Amen. No, it is. My dog is blessed. And what I do is I don't curse my doggy. I bless my doggy. I speak blessing over it. I speak long life over it. Someday my dog will look up at me and say, let me go. You say, well, dogs can't talk. Well, how did a donkey talk? My pigs are blessed. My cows are blessed. My chickens are blessed. Hallelujah. The ground is blessed. My crops are blessed. When I plant a garden, I'm going to get more tomatoes than, because it's blessed. Not than anybody else. I'm going to just get more tomatoes because I'm a believer. My corn is blessed. My, my, everything I put my hand to is prospering. If I have a business, it's prospering because I got my hands on it and God's got his hands on me. It's not just because I'm smart financially, which I am, but it's because there's a greater hand at work in my life that's making things happen. It's bringing me in the right place at the right time. See, where we get into trouble is when we start thinking it's our own savvé that gets us where we are. Well, I'm just sharp business-wise. You know, I just know what I'm doing. Baloney. Without the blessing of the Lord, you can only take it so far. But bring God into the story here. That you're trust and you're giving glory to God. And you're saying, God, I thank you that you're working. You're working in everything I set, the business I have, the farm that I have. You're blessing my family. You're blessing our finances, like the church that we pastor. God, you're supernaturally increasing it. You're making it abound. Now what am I doing? I'm giving glory to God, not glory to Richard. Man will try to give glory to Richard. Oh, you're doing such a... Oh, you're so good. You, you're so, Look, you don't know half the story. Okay? It's God's blessing. Hallelujah. Look at this. Could you, could you live with this? Verse 13. And the man, he began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became... Very, very prosperous. I mean, could you live with that kind of blessing? Could you live with a blessing on your life? Could you live walking in that blessing that you're prosperous right now, but you're going to keep getting prosperous, and then you're going to get very prosperous? And I'm talking on all levels of your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at chapter 30 and verse 43. Now this is talking about Isaac, his son, or Jacob, excuse me. So we're talking about it moving from generation to generation. Look at what they said about Jacob. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. 
because of supernatural increase. Exodus 1.7, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. Glory to God. Exodus 6.3, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Deuteronomy 7.13. And he will love you and he will bless you and multiply you. And he will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you, and you will be blessed above all the peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or your livestock. Verse 15, and the Lord himself will take away your from you all sickness and will not allow the affliction to or the terrible diseases of Egypt to come upon you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Job 8. You know, there's little nuggets in the book of Job. There's a really great one in chapter 8, and it goes like this in verse 7. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Hallelujah. You know, that's our testimony. That's Sharon's and my testimony. Mom and Dad, remember the day we left for the mission field? We just had Sharon's furniture, what was, you know, a little bit we could put in that little trailer, which was probably, I don't know, maybe it was four by, might have been four by eight, four by six. Pulling it with a little Mustang too. Now, look, Sharon had stuff. I had nothing except my stereo and my records. That's all I had. That's all I brought in. I didn't even have enough money to buy a suit. Sharon had to buy me a suit for our wedding. We had nothing. But here's what we did have, a blessing. And that blessing, when it started in our life, because when we left from where we were, we brought more stuff. I mean, it was supernatural. I don't have time to get into all of it today, but we had supernatural increase. And it wasn't because we wrote letters to everybody begging every month. It just was God was blessing us because we were being faithful. Was it hard? Oh, 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 yes, it was hard. But faith can answer, answer hardness. Faith can say you'll get through this. Faith can say it's coming. The blessing's coming. The increase is coming. Many of you heard the testimony. We lived on $300 a month, a month with Greg. We had Greg and $300 a month. 200 of that went to our rent, the little house we were staying in. Sharon, this was really wild. We're, we, we tithe, of course, that would be the first thing, which would have been $30. And then we, we put, paid our rent. And then we had our utility, which was electric. I think we had to pay. And then we had uh, car payment, car, car insurance that we had because you paid for the car, paid it off. And we lived on $25 a month for our groceries. Now, prior to that, Sharon was working in the office at the church. And um, they were paying her, I think it was 75 a week, wasn't it? Something like, she was bringing home $150 every couple of weeks. And that was what we bought our groceries with. That's what we bought our toiletries with. That's, that was all we had. I mean, so, so every other penny we had was going somewhere, okay? Now, 
God spoke to Sharon. And he told her that he said, I want you to quit taking a paycheck from the, from the ministry. I want you to quit doing it. And I want you to totally live by faith. Now, this is what God told us. You have to do what God tells you, okay? We're not telling you to do that. But God told her to give up that $150 every two weeks. So she went in and she told him. She says, I'm not taking this anymore. They were like, no, you guys need this. We know. She says, no, we're just going to believe God. We'll be fine. Well, $25 went a long way. I mean, it really did. You can buy a lot of beans with $25. Now, did we eat steak? No. Every once in a while, we had a hot dog we cut up in our macaroni and cheese. You could buy four boxes, I think, for a dollar back then. And we go to the store once a month. We didn't have anything. I think we went out to eat one time. One time we went to a pizza hut and had a pizza. And all the other times, we lived on the same thing over and over. I'd buy a big box of bacon ends and pieces. Anybody know what that is? And a dozen eggs. And that's what I had to ration out my eggs over the whole month. And that's how we lived. We didn't die. Was it hard? Were other people having steak and we weren't? Yeah. But who cares what other people are doing? You just take care of you and stop worrying. The Lord told me, he says, one of the things is going to rob more people from having supernatural increases, envy. Do not allow envy. And I'll get into this next week more, but do not allow envy. Well, they're blessed and we're not blessed. Yeah. And their business is doing good in our business. Yeah. Stop looking at what everybody else is doing and just get your nose in your Bible and pay attention to what God wants to do through you and don't worry about what everybody else is getting or not getting. Wow, Pastor, thank you so much. Envy's an abomination before God, friend. Envy. The spirit of envy is over our nation. Has been for a long time. And it's man, all this ugliness you see on Facebook, that's envy. Hatred that comes out of envy. It's just absolutely, it's a ruling spirit that we need to take authority over in our own lives first as God's people. Somebody gets up and testifies that God blessed me with a million dollars and people get mad at him because they got blessed. Man, we ought to be shouting and praising God with people that get blessed. Hallelujah. Well, God provided everything that we ever needed. It didn't always come in when we wanted it to, but it did come in. We, got, we had an incredible story. We were coming back. We, we, God had told us to come back to Marietta to pastor, and we had no commitment from Marietta about it, but we knew that the Lord had told us to come pastor. And, uh, and uh, so we came to pack all our stuff up, and we used all our money that we had, and then whatever we had left was our gas to get home. We didn't even stay in a hotel. We just slept in the, par you know, in the rest areas. And uh, so we come down there, and uh, we, we're going to get all our stuff. And the landlord met us out in the driveway and said, look, uh, you guys are moving out. You, you know, you're going to have to give me, uh, I think it was like $150 to repaint or $100. I think it was $100. It would cost $100 to repaint Greg's room because he took crayon to the, to the wall. <laughs> and Sharon and I looked at each other, and all we had was $100 to get home on. You know, gas wasn't that expensive then. We lived on, if I told you what we ate, anybody ever eat, um, anybody ever eat uh, potted meat before? Yeah. It's just grease on steroids. <laughs> We'd buy a loaf of bread and a can of potted meat, and that's what we would live on on the way home. We didn't even have mustard for that. Don't, I'm not saying that to you. I just want you to get a picture. 
We got down there and she asked for that money and we we're just like, Sharon and I looked at each other and we said, we gotta get in agreement, man. This is, we got, this is a mess. And we were packing up our stuff and getting ready to go and we were thinking, well, maybe we could just ask her if we could just send it to her, you know. And she wanted her money. She wasn't, we could tell she wasn't going anywhere. And uh, we were always on time with our rent, but she just, she knew we were leaving and it'd be harder to get, you know, once you move out of the area. So we were grab, we went down to grab our mail. And when we went to grab our mail, there was twice the amount that we needed in the mailbox. We had no idea. It came from a source that never we, we never got anything from. And it was sitting there. God knew about it all the way in advance and had already put it there. No coincidence to it all. Went in. We, we paid her. Had plenty. I think we even stayed in a hotel and we might have bought mustard for the potted meat. So, you know, it was, but look, God will provide. Now, look, I don't, I'm not going to have time to get into all of this, but I, I, I just want to challenge you. Uh, and we'll get into this more next week. Look, wherever you're at right now, don't wait until it changes to get better. You know, that's what that's sometimes what happens is, is that the enemy just tells us, yeah, well, when this happens, then you'll be able to do this. Or when this happens, you'll be able Don't be one of those who waits for something to happen before you're going to do something. Do what it says to do now. Brother Copeland sat in a church service, and when he sat in a church service, had no money to give whatsoever and he prayed. He said, God, I don't have anything. I feel like I'm supposed to give in this offering. And he, he said, I have nothing. And the Lord said, you know that little pencil that's in your pocket? I want you to sew that in the offering. He's like, well, they can't use that. Look, don't argue with God. Just do what he tells you to do. He took that pencil out of his pocket and he, he said, in Jesus' name, I'm putting this pencil and this offering out of obedience to God. I want to sow. This is my gift in that. Lord, I don't know how you're going to use it, but that's not any of my business. And I thank you, Lord God, that you bless me and you help me and you increase me. He and Gloria, they're flat broke. Kenneth Copeland, multi-million dollar ministry today. Brother Copeland put that in the offering, and before he left that service, a woman walked up to him and said, when, when the offering was over, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I'm supposed to give you this money, and handed him some money, put it in his hands, so that he would have money to give more, and so that he would have money to sustain him. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just waiting, you know, I'm just waiting on God. Look, you'll be waiting forever. Start where you are. Say, so, well, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to sow. Well, so what? Sow a dollar. Look, if you can't sow a dollar, you won't ever sow a hundred thousand. You know, people are lie to God all the time. Well, God, you bless me with the lottery and I'll give, you know, I'll give 10% to you. No, you won't because you already aren't giving 10% of what he is giving you. Thank you, sweetheart. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, look. But see that? Amen. But see, that's how, that's how we think. Oh, I'll start that workout program at the first of the year. Look, you'll be 10 pounds heavier by then, and you won't even feel like moving. So don't wait till then. Start today. Get out and go. Amen. Well, it's raining. Can I wait? No, man. Get out in the rain. It won't kill you. Go for a walk. Hallelujah. Move that body. Look at your neighbor and say, move that body. No, man, don't wait. Get out and do something now. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Start right now. Hallelujah. 2020, I want you to get ready for it. 
is going to be a year of supernatural increase. Next week, we'll get into this a little bit deeper. There's more and more coming. And there's doors of opportunity. Get ready, because the doors are going to open that haven't been opened before. You've got to be ready. There's a, uh, I, and I'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but there is restoration that's going to happen, and there is restitution that's going to happen. Those are different things. There is restoration and there is restitution that God is going to, that's going to happen this coming year. Get ready for it. Get yourself in the right place. Take care of you. God's working in your behalf. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Praise God. Did you get anything out of this today? Amen. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for the power of the word. Lord, I think where I'd be without your word in my life. Lord, I'm so grateful we don't have to worship you off in a distance and wonder what you have said. You gave us your word. Lord, it is like a lamp to our feet and it is like a light to our path. God, I thank you. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By obeying your word, O Lord. God, the word that you have spoken. It is like a sharp two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder, just like the joints and the marrow and the spirit and the soul, Lord God, and is a discerner of the thoughts of intents of our heart. Now, Father, I pray right now, Lord, if we are equating what we are going through right now with something from our past, failure, disappointment, and discouragement, Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus right now, Lord God, that you would help us by your spirit to break from the past, to break from that famine of the past, Lord God, and to realize that there is a new hope before us. There's a promised land that's been already dedicated, God, that, that's for us. We don't have to go through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Lord God, to get to what you want for us. Father, you've already opened those doors. You're already opening through your word new doors for each and every one of us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have taken your miraculous and put it in the context of our past failures, our past disappointments. Forgive us, Lord, because God, we know that you have a plan and you have a future and it's good. And I thank you for it. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come right now. Our leadership for prayer, if you would. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord God. You know, you might be discouraged today, and I get that. You know, I'm preaching to you today, but there have been plenty of times I've been discouraged. I've sat right where you're sitting, and I was struggling with the famine of a past, something that happened before, something that that I'm just broken, hurt, and in pain over. Hallelujah. Let me have uh, Larry and Rita, would you come and help me, please? Chuck, come on. Thank you, Lord. And uh, I get it. I get the pain of it. Why don't you guys, if you come over here, maybe we split everybody up today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And listen, I just want to ask you straight up and be honest. Is there something from, is there a famine of the past that's messing with your future right now? Is there something, disappointment, some discouragement, some dilemma that you were in 
that right now what you're living through, it's still holding you back. It's holding you bondage. If that's you I'm talking to, I'm just going to ask you all over the house if you just lift your hand up in the air and say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. In the back, up here in the front. Anyone else? All over the building. Look, God cares so deeply for you. It's time to break from the famines of the past. It's time to break free and move into the future. Hallelujah. Don't let that thing trigger you into default failure. It's time to break forward. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I want to ask you right now, if you lifted your hand, to come on up here. Let us pray with you this morning.